Welcome to Urban Forum Northwest with your co-host Hayward Evans and Eddie Rye. Urban Forum Northwest is brought to you by the Port of Seattle's Office of Equity and Inclusion. Ah, okay. okay. The Office of Social Responsibility has been under that. So, Eric, we won't play the Port's commercial until they give us the new one. All right. And uh, so I've heard that uh, we will be having a new commercial coming from the Port. Also, the Sound Transit Small Business Development Labor Compliance Office the City of Seattle's Persons Construction Services Office, Concourse Concessions with David Fukuhara, SeaTac Bar Group with the two uh, Desert Storm veterans, Jerry Whitsett and Ron O'Neill, SoulSys Media, Stephanie Ogle does our website, and uh, very exciting things happening. Elections coming up in a few weeks. Uh, we did witness on Monday of this week uh, the Seattle City Council unanimously voted to support a resolution that would support uh, a favorable vote for I-1000. Uh, we have been without affirmative action for over 20 years in the state, and a lot of folks attribute that to the gentrification process that's occurring in the city of Seattle. But as I travel across the country, I see that everywhere, uh, from the hilltop in Tacoma to Baldwin Hills in Los Angeles, uh, what's happening in Washington, D.C., Atlanta, Georgia, everywhere you look, it's all about economic uh, injustice and I've uh, been talking to Congresswoman Maxine Waters about what we could do to correct that situation. And uh, we do have a quite a few African-American males, young ones, that's generating trillions of dollars, Hayward, Amen. for the NBA, the NFL, and none of that money comes back to our community. Now, I think some of our folks are misguided because they say, well, you know, the what about the players? It's not the players. We're talking about the owners. We're talking about the league. So I've had a chance to talk to Spencer Haywood. He's the president of the retired NBA Players Association. And, you know, Nesby Glasgow has been carrying the, the torch for equity with the NBA NFL Players Association. So what we will be doing is that uh, Congresswoman Waters is very interested in this. And then when we finish with the NFL and the NBA, colleges, major universities, is packing the stands on the backs of these young brothers. And none, matter of fact, not getting a dime for it. And now... They say, well, we're going to allow these folks to uh, uh, profit off their own name. Oh, no, no. The University of Washington, all of the major universities, should be paying That's these right. football players That's and these right. basketball players, not waiting for them to sell their image. Because you don't get any money off their image, you get money off their talent. So it's one thing we have to, we have to really do is we have got to uh, make sure that the gym, the revenue that we generate come back to our community. Well, I'm glad you're saying that because we're not talking about a grant or donation. We're talking about an investment in financial institutions where they get a return. It's just like where they have their money now. We're talking about inclusion. Inclusion. That's Transfer what inclusion is. a small percentage. That's where you generated your money off their backs, put a little in the institution to support our community. And then they say, well, you always want us to give you something. Well, we gave you 400 years. Frankly, <laughs> and have been paid. Man, so, please. you know, and then we have situations like we have with this I-1000 with uh, Chinese immigrants that can't speak English and not citizens but are able to effectuate the political process. We're talking about what Donald Trump is doing. The same thing is happening in Washington State, led by John KKK Carlson and Tim Iman. The Chinese need to be embarrassed. How the do Chinese you, immigrants. They hire the Chinese immigrants. How do you hire a group called the Proud Boys? who are known to be neo-Nazis. They're actual neo-Nazis that they hired to, to act as security for their events and for their, uh, for their signers, their signature gatherers. 
Now, I don't know. Is、uh, Jesse Weinberry on the line? Well, we're holding for Jesse Weinberry and also Derek Johnson, national president of the NAACP. You know, on, on that note as well, Eddie, what got me was that they came out originally as the Washington Asians for Equality. Then they got all the, the pushback from the long time standing legacy of Asians here in the area. Then they changed the name to the American,、uh, American Coalition for Equality, ACE. Well, that first ACE group was the Asian group formed in 1969 at the University of Washington that was out there supporting inclusion, and they absolutely supported issues relative to affirmative action. Well, you know, it's unfortunate, but I am pleased to see that、uh, on Monday, Representative Sharon Tomiko Santos was there. We've had the support of JCL, OCA, so all of the、uh, organizations we've been working with for the last,、uh, the last 20 years or so. <laughs> Eric is having blues with the phone. Everything is going off the hook.、Yes. And that could be Derek Johnson calling. If it is, Jesse, we have to just wait a minute. So we'll just see what's going on. Okay, then.、Uh, ask, uh, Rep- Represent- Represent- Jesse Weinberg can listen in.、Uh, President Derek Johnson. How you doing? Eddie Ryan Hayward Evans, my co host. And we got a- another one of our local leaders listening in. But、uh, as you know, and.、Uh, Sir, first of all, how are you doing? I'm good. I'm good. I, it's a pleasure to be on your show. Thank you for allowing me the opportunity. Yeah, well, you know, you're worthy to be because <laughs> a lot of things are going on. We need to have your voice on. And there are some real particular issues going on in Washington State.、Uh, after we、uh, chat with you for a minute, we want our representative, former representative attorney Jesse Weinberry Sr. to chime in and give you an update on what's happening here. But first of all,、uh, the hot button issue right now, I guess, the The Republicans have swarmed a, a, a private hearing room in Washington to prevent a hearing. And then,、uh, I guess, the、uh, other thing I heard you comment on, I'd like to have you、uh, comment on again, is that、uh, President Donald Trump using the word lynching. Yes. You, you, you know,、uh, he is the master of distraction.、Uh, anytime there, there is some breaking news or an embarrassing moment for him, He will plant the seeds to distract everyone to run down those rabbit holes.、Uh, we know for a fact、uh, what reaction we get when someone tries to use our negative experience in this country、uh, for political reasons. I think, as I mentioned, we need to be focused on, on the impeachment process to make sure that the narrative stays consistent. He's not able to use his tools of distraction. To take the news coverage away from the fact that not only did he subvert democracy with the help of the Russians during the 2016 election,、uh, he's now being uncovered. He's trying to subvert democracy by assorting a foreign nation, Ukraine, against his, one of his opponents.、Uh, both are grounds for impeachment, none of which we should allow ourselves to be distracted from. And once he is impeached and removed, Then we can have a conversation about whether it was a lynching or not. I think it's accountability is the correct word that should have been used. And、uh, at this juncture,、uh, I, I've heard you speak out、uh, from the national NAACP.、Uh, the impeachment has looked like it's going down, going down the road.、Uh, doesn't look like, you know, I mean, I, some of the Republicans are going absolutely bonkers back in D.C. right now. What is your prognostication? Do you really see. Uh, the House taking up an impeachment? You know, 
the uh, uh, NAACP, we voted with our commission for this process to start. I believe the House will continue this process. But impeachment is a hearing. It is the evidentiary finding of whether or not this, this president should be removed from office. There is no reason why the House should not or would not pursue this course of action. I just believe they should cross all T's out every I, control the narrative, so there would be no excuse for the Senate not to do its work unless they're going to make a decision based on political reasons and not the rule of law. Hey, Derek, this is Hayward. You know, when I look at it, too, I mean, it looks like number 45, because I hate saying his name, he's acting like he's a Russian agent or something. But, but say it gets out of the House, what's going to happen in the Senate? What is Mitch McConnell and his people going to do? You know, for the Senate, I think they are narrowly focused on the federal bench. As long as they can keep this guy in there, the more they can stack the court. Uh, as soon as they can unload this guy, I think they will. And so it's, it's this three-dimensional chess game that's being played, you know, I always go to the question of who benefits. And so it's clear the, big, the largest benefactor uh, as a result of the president's action is a set of foreign nations that he has some type of financial stake with. But the it, benefit of the Senate's action, I can only determine to be one or two reasons or both. One, you have individual citizens who are up for elections and they are nervous about their reelection prospects. And two, you have the majority of the citizens seeking to stack the court with conservative judges so that those judges who will serve lifetime appointments will be in place to rewrite the laws of this nation. Now, everywhere I turn, he's always saying fake news, phony news, falsehoods, all these kinds of things. If, if the Senate does uh, say that you need to be removed from office, do you see him stepping down? or asking for a new vote? You know, the, the strength of the office is the bully pulpit once you strip all of the authority. So I, I, don't, I don't think that's even a, a consideration or question we should put out there because once the decision is made, the bully pulpit go away and our Constitution will kick in. So I'm not worried about him stepping down because there's nothing to step down from once you are stripped from the authority of the office. Uh, what what uh, Derek? I just, uh, uh, what can uh, people in the low? I'm a member of the Seattle branch and the Tacoma branch. Matter of fact, last year I received the Harold G. Yes, Moss yep. uh, Decades Award from the Tacoma branch of the NAACP. Reverend Dr. Gregory Christopher is the president over there, and uh, I just want to know what kind of uh, uh, recommendations would you have for local branches and members that be engaged in in this political fight. You know, as, as things progress, we will be having different levels of call to action, uh, NAACP. Uh, I've always advised our members to, to use our critical thinking skills as we follow this process, and at times certain, uh, there will be calls to action. I don't like people burning up in energy unnecessarily, but we should all be aware of what's taking place appreciate the authority we have as citizens, and be prepared to exercise uh, when called upon, but more importantly, using our power and our standing in preparation for the 2020 election cycle. And, and that is the key. 
And so you know, whether he's removed or not, 2020 mm-hmm. election will tell the story. Not only that, because we also be drawing the congressional uh, district lines too. Uh, that state right. le- state legislature, so we'll be dra- dra- drawing those lines. So it's uh, only a presidential, but it's also making sure we can eliminate some gerrymandering. Well, you know, we have yeah. a real hot issue out here, uh, President Johnson, and that is, is that uh, t- over 20 years ago, an initiative passed that removed affirmative action from Washington State. Uh, in uh, October uh, of 20 years ago, Dr. Arthur, 21 years ago, Dr. Arthur Fletcher was debating Ward Connolly about affirmative action. And we have on the line with us former State Representative Jesse Weinberry, uh, who is a co-chair of the Committee to Restore Affirmative Action, uh, also led the signature drive to get the initiative passed and got it into law, received over 395,000 signatures, the most signatures ever gathered for an initiative in the state of Washington. And I'd just like to have Jesse come on for a few minutes and uh, tell you what we're doing and after you hear him, maybe we can figure out how we can elicit your support to make sure there's fairness and equity for all in Washington State. So, Representative Weinberry, uh, uh, President Derek Johnson on the line with Eddie Ryan Hayward Evans. So, why don't you uh, bring him up to date on where we are? Well, thank you, Eddie, and thank you, Hayward, and and, and special thanks to uh, President Derek Johnson. He and I had a chance to meet when they when he and Karen Towns were out here uh, uh, on behalf of the National NAACP. Uh, we have very good news uh, on I-1000. Number one, uh, in an unprecedented move, the Seattle City Council has voted unanimously to not only endorse I-1000, but they are urging all of the more than 460,000 registered voters in the city of Seattle to cast their ballots to approve I-1000. Then, on the heels of that vote, we had the Seattle Port Commission, the largest port commission uh, in the Pacific Northwest, that has voted as of yesterday uh, in the same vein to approve I-1000 and to urge all of their voters. And their voters are countywide throughout Martin Luther King County. That's over 2 million voters to cast their votes for I-1000. We will be assembling uh, later today in the uh, mayor's chambers, in the Norman B. Rice room of the mayor's chambers, uh, named after Seattle's only African-American mayor, Norman B. Rice, to uh, witness the ceremonial signing of that resolution by the mayor of Seattle, Mayor Jenny Durkin. And uh, we will be sending uh, a call out to all voters who have uh, their ballots uh, on their kitchen table or on their dining room table or on their end table, to grab those ballots and vote approved by 1,000 so we can win this campaign and bring diversity back to Washington State. President Johnson, go right ahead. that's outstanding. It's outstanding. I think, you know, leadership oftentimes is not about individuals who give the best speech or the most charismatic. It's the person who works towards outcomes from benefits to hold. And, I, and that's what I'm hearing here. And I commend you all in the committee for stepping up and, and carrying this out. It's, in fact, an example that other states should look at in terms of how to move the needle on public policy. Uh, and that can only happen when we see ourselves as owners of government and not victims of government. But as owners of government, you use the tool of government to benefit the needs and interests of our community and our future. So I commend and congrats, congratulate you all for a job well done up to this point. 
Well, you're very humble, Mr. President. I want to uh, acknowledge something very clear here, and that is without the NAACP, he would not have forged uh, the successes of I-1000 that Mr. Rye has shared with you. Without Gerald Hankerson's leadership as the state president, I mean, as the, as the uh, regional president for Washington, yeah, right. Alaska, and, and, or, and uh, 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 without his leadership and those who have worked on our behalf within the NAACP, we would not have achieved the passage of, the le- uh, of I-1000 by the legislature. And so we thank you. We thank the national NAACP as well as the local and regional NAACP for being with us in the forefront of this fight from the very beginning. Well, I don't know how much time you have, President Johnson, but I wanted you just to go down a, a list of the priorities that you have, that you have time for, both legislatively and what we need to be doing in the, our the various communities across the country. Well, you know, uh, when I assumed this position two years ago, I said the next five years will be the most important juncture in this democracy. And it will be black folks who save it through our actions or, or watch it disintegrate because of our inaction. And so up, coming up next is the census process to ensure that our communities receive a fair and accurate count. Immediately followed by behind that will be the 2020 presidential election. But in that election is, is both congressional, legislative, and Senate with a lot of local elections. So that's, our, that's, been our, that's been our priority. That's been our focus. Even this year, over the next few weeks, we're going to be engaging aggressively in elections in five states where three governors are on the ballot and, and all five legislative bodies are on the ballot. And our resources, we are zeroing in in those areas because we recognize the power of the black vote will define the outcome. And that power will be determined in two ways. Either we're going to the polls and vote and, or we're not. And the beautiful thing about our community, whether you are in Seattle or Anchorage, Alaska, or Connecticut, or, or, or Palm Springs, Florida, you don't have to tell African Americans how to vote. Once we get in our mind to go vote, we're going to vote just to life because we understand what's at stake. We understand dog whistle politics. We understand the history by which brought us to these shores, we also understand through collective consciousness we've always been successful. And so with NAACP, that's my focus. How do we make this democracy be the reality mm-hmm. that we dream for? And we can only do that when we exercise our currency called the vote. Thank you, Betty Rye. And I can tell you, I'm going to do what your daughter tells me to do because that's what I learned to do. <laughs> okay, sir. We <laughs> served... Certainly appreciate your time, President Derek Johnson, and keep up the good work, brother. And people, All I right. want them to know that uh, I'll see you a couple of times a year because you were the president of the Mississippi NAACP. <laughs> and and right. every August, right. uh, Angela's former boss, Congressman Benny Thompson, uh, she's now on the, his board, the Congressional Black Caucus Institute board. So I'll see you down there and then also in, in D.C. But we have a little bit more time when we're in Tunica because <laughs> you're not inundated with thousands of people trying to talk to you at the same time. So oh, look, I'm home. I'm looking. I'm home there, and, and when we're there, it's funny because we all work for Benny, so we we just there t- doing what he tells us to do. So that's the beautiful thing. Yeah, he's been telling the, everybody the right thing to do. I tell you that. I have a lot of respect for that's that right. gentleman. Okay, uh, right. President Johnson, I want to thank you very much.
We're going to have a, rep, a congressman, the congressman, uh, Weinberry. Future congressman. Okay, I keep him congressman. <laughs> but uh, President Future Johnson, thank you very much for your time today. I really appreciate it. All right, take care, everybody. Tell Eugene I'll see him this weekend at Angela's party in L.A. All right, take care. Okay, now, thanks. Okay, so uh, Jesse Weinberry is still online. With, I keep calling him congressman. Former state <laughs> representative attorney Jesse Weinberry. So at this last-minute hour, Jesse, uh, grab the votes Grab your ballots and vote, and that's it. Any any voting, any parties, any educational kind of things that's going to be going on? No, it's it's very simple at this point, uh, and you you summed it up. Grab your ballot and vote to approve I one thousand. It's under referendum eighty eight, but the ballot question is very simple: Should initiative one thousand be approved or rejected? Simply vote approve. Okay. Uh, we will be having ballot Sundays every Sunday uh, with, uh, within all of our churches. The Faith Action Network is leading that effort at uh, within 147 churches. So you'll Reverend be Paul Benz is right, Benz. always right on time. That's right. That's right. Okay. And so uh, as we head toward this weekend, uh, your goal should be to make sure you mail your ballots. Remember, uh, even though the ballots have not been with paid postage in the past, they are this year. They started last year, but uh, it's paid posted, so it's free to mail it. And they need to be in the mail before Halloween. Now, some will tell you before November 5th, I'm getting a jump start on that. Make Halloween <laughs> your deadline to put your ballot in the mail. That way it will be counted by Election Day, November 5th, and it won't be late. And that's great. I want to let you know that uh, on Monday, Representative Sharon Tomiko Santos uh, sent me a, uh, a piece that I approved, I-1000 Ref 88, and I put it on my Facebook page and, and shared that so that, you know, if you see it, share it. It makes that, it's very clear. It says, should initiative 1000 be approved in real big letters? And if the, it's crossed off, approved, please. So uh, uh, that's the other thing. I'm going I'm to share that again. And we get people to share that. They can look at the ballot and see exactly what you're supposed to do that's if you want to restore and return affirmative action to Washington State. But if you want to continue the gerrymandering right. and the gentrification process and the economic injustice and inequality, then, you know, that's what you'll be getting. Uh, <laughs> but like I said, if there's anybody that's an eligible voter that don't vote, they can't work for me. It's just that simple. <laughs> but, Jesse, thanks very much, and uh, uh, we'll talk to you a little later. Thank All right. You, thank you both. Okay. We're going to take a quick break and come back with Regina Glenn after this. Step up your commute and ride light. Sound Transit's new Capitol Hill and University of Washington Link Light Rail stations are now open. Get around town faster and more reliably than ever. Ride now from the University of Washington to Capitol Hill in just four minutes or continue on to Westlake Station in just eight minutes. Find lots of helpful information on how to ride, how to get an ORCA card, and more at ulink2016.org. Link Light Rail. More stations, more places. Want to hear something different from talk radio? Keep your dial on Alternative Talk 1150. All right. Uh, we will be returning with, uh, I guess, Eric and the Ports working out a situation where we'll have the commercial back on. But anyway, the program is now sponsored by the Office of Equity and Inclusion, and Bukta is the new director. And so that's why you haven't heard about Louis and Char Luis and Charlene, but they're both there and doing a good job. Matter of fact, Luis was award winner yes, in the Martin Luther King Commemoration Committee uh, August 28th. Our next guest is award winning uh, Regina Glenn, business owner, 
Matter of fact, uh, it was announced last month, or was that earlier this month, that uh, the National Association of Minority Contractors, the Washington State Chapter, will name uh, their diversity award the Regina Glenn Award. So congratulations and welcome to Urban Forum Northwest with Hayward Evans and Eddie Wright. All right. Well, thank you so much. Well, congratulations. Well, I am excited because, first, I'm still alive, right? Amen. One is all over but the shouting. But it's the um, Diversity Advocacy Award, which I just uh, feel so, so deeply about because that is exactly what most of my career has been, an advocate. And it's been especially heartwarming that the Contractor Association, NAMAC Washington Chapter, said that because that's the organization that uh, you need to bring it, bring the contracts, bring the intervention to make sure the payments are prompt, make sure the change orders are consistent. So if they say we want to recognize um, work and effort, that just means so very much to me. So thank you. Uh, Regina, you've been on the battlefield a long time. And so you were there before uh, I-200 passed and since I-200 passed. Can you share with our listening audience, just in, in your opinion, what's transpired under I-200 and why it's so critical that people get out and vote uh, to approve Referendum 88 for I-200 or I-1000? Right. If they uh, look under 88 and then approve 1000, it will bring us closer to trying and being able to make a difference in our firms. And you're right. It's been there. When we had our I-200, when we had contractors and individuals really caring about what the numbers were, who, how many people do we have in our community, and you were a premium as a contractor for them because they knew that they would not retain those contracts and certainly would not get another. And it was as if, like, you know, on a holiday, school let out, everybody got up, left the pens and papers at the table, when it was no longer a mandated requirement. And some companies, because they had federal business with 8A set-aside or they were doing something in another state, they brought firms with them. But you could see the dramatic drop. I'm working on the uh, University of Washington President's Minority Advisory Committee, and it's staggering. And I know you've heard these numbers. The faculty, the enrollment in the schools of all the schools, uh, certainly the law school and others, just dropped. In the contracting community, even on top of that, the, the problem became it doesn't matter. What we need to do is be on time, if not early, under budget, if for sure on budget. That was the, the mantra. We want to get this contract save the money, save the time. It was as if the conversation about the inclusion of the talent that we have with us. Occasionally, if we were in a community dominated by a large percentage of the minority population, like we did when Sound Transit went through um, the MLK with the light rail, we had enough community members that were there every day, every moment to say, hey, you're here. But it's so many projects statewide that's going on for all the agencies. The disparity studies with Colette Holt and other organizations that have been doing those studies put some spotlight on it. Where we can go to is have the conversation, this 
is a business practice that brings you more innovation, it brings you more creativity. Small businesses tend to be meaner, leaner, move faster, and be more innovative. And they go on more contracts, and they bring some of the best technology from the other programs that they were in. Those advantages have never really been picked up. When uh, Roger Millar with WashDOT came up with a 26% goal on WashDOT contracts, the light went back on, this is important. But those are voluntary goals. No matter what you say, when it's mandatory, it gets the attention. And if it's in the language of the contract, we get better results. You know, I'm glad you said that. I'm going to start with the University of Washington. So, so what are they doing? Is it, a, is it a conscious, subconscious, unconscious bias that's out there in terms of those numbers? The University of Washington, I was out there, you, can't even, you don't even see an African-American. Only, only picking up some trash, I saw a couple. Amen. So you're talking about both the workforce and the contracting? Oh, absolutely. Yes. And the, Yeah, and the, the workforce, there should be no reason for that. I mean, if they just hired a percentage of their graduates, it would be better than it is. And the faculty, now I do say this about the faculty because I'm active with the, the University of Puget Sound search, too, for minority faculty. Minority faculties are being drawn away by higher salaries and better perks and more researching opportunities. I've seen us battle for people at the University of Washington. So I, that's one area. It could be better, and you could give them more money, and then maybe you win the battle. That's one area. But what's unbelievable is the contracting. I mean, we have buildings being designed and we have uh, construction and maintenance going on that, again, if you just look at your own graduates, the architect engineers that happen to come through that are diverse, uh, you begin to wonder. I don't think, um, I know they just recently did uh, a disparity study that included the university, and I don't think it was totally uh, spotlighted. I don't think they were putting attention to it. Now, the Board of Regents, with the leadership of um, Joanne Harrell and Constance Rice, they have put together the Board of Regents Diversity Committee to be on the case, and it's making a difference. They, you report to them. So there's two. The president has her own, the one that I mentioned I was on. But I think the, the Regents said, well, let us, let us look even deeper, because that doesn't seem to be moving as fast as it could. And so with that kind of policy level happening, the next step is, are they getting enough budget in all the areas where monitoring goes on and when accountability is tracked to give the policymakers the information to use their uh, powers and their policymaking to make sure we get more folks in? Well, so the, problem, the problem I have is that the largest project the university had in quite a while, well, a couple of years ago, they rebuilt Husky Stadium. Uh, $225 million, and unless you got a contract, Northern Black got a dime. $225 million. And who's going to be running up down the field, keeping the stands filled, and not getting paid, except for young brothers? Paying for all the other college sports out there, tennis, golf, baseball, women's basketball, lacrosse, crew. Uh, the, uh, the, the efforts and the sweat of those young black men pay for everything else, but they don't get paid. And that's one of the things we're trying to change as soon as possible because we, we're just – it's the same thing with the NFL and the NBA. 
They generate all that money, but none of it comes back to our community. None of the contracts, none of the, the revenue is deposited in our banks. So, uh, you, know, you know. I think you're really on to that because that the revenue they get from the sports is significant. However, if we want to get to these problems, we have to get when the university, before they can build anything or design anything, they have to have budget approval. And budget approval goes through regions and others. What we need to know is what's on the drawing board for the next 10 years. What's coming up in one month, two years, five years, 10 years. So in front of that, we say, we want to know what percentages you're putting on there. And we have people here in the community that can get before you candidates. If there's something you don't think they have to qualify insurance or bonding or whatever it is you need, Tell us what that is. I mean, we have so many programs now that are beginning to really blossom about bringing support. So you don't have an excuse that they're not qualified if we don't even know what we need to have to qualify for. When the Husky information came out, they were already in motion. They had they got the, they had their teams together. They already had their subs in. And they were in motion. And they knew there were no blacks involved, too. I mean, that's the other thing. So we're going to just have to stay on that one. But I just want to say, you know, congratulations to you once again, Regina. We're glad you're on the battlefield, and we'll be keeping up with you. So thank you very much for your time today, and congratulations. Thank you again. My pleasure. Okay. Okay, our next guest is Hiawatha Davis. Are you there, sir? I am. Okay. uh, Eddie Ryan Hayward Evans, my co-host here. Uh, I, I got to ask you this before we even get started. Was your dad a Pullman porter? Yes, he was. Yes, and he worked with Eddie. Ra- he worked with Eddie yes. Rice Sr. Yes, he did. No, and uh, Hayward, you know my brother Larry. Yeah, absolutely. I was going to say we're, we're pointers, high pointers. Come on now, I'm still high point that's right, proud. That's right. I thought you might have forgot. Yeah, no, he no, he don't never forget where he came from. <laughs> yeah, I live right down the street from from his aunt and uncle, so uh, they were real high achievers, and I. I knew that Hayward was going to make it because Harold Yates wasn't taking no mess. But anyway, hi, Watha. Uh, we have, you got a, a big event coming up at the Northwest African American Museum. Okay, well, I'll tell you, why don't we start off with well, letting us, telling our, our listening audience uh, exactly what you have going on uh, at the Northwest African American Museum. And it's going to be going on for uh, quite a while. It's not a one-day event, but there's a big kickoff date. We want to talk about that. Well, we the date was the... the Last Friday. Uh, yeah. Last okay. Friday. Yeah. So, but we'll have other events. We haven't had anything officially scheduled yet, but we will have other events in the space during the time. Okay. What's, what's the duration of the event? Six months. So it'll so be for it started, six The opening was uh, October 18th, and the closing will be March 15th. And, and share with our listening audience the theme, the theme of the event. So the, the theme is iconic black women. Um, you know, it's um, a, a deliberate uh, celebration of uh, who have came here before me and that are here now doing incredible things with their life and their story and their journey. Can you name some of the people that you... Uh, the, the marquee figure is um, Sojourner Truth. We have Harriet Tubman, um, Rosa Parks. Maya Angelou, we have Maxine Waters, we have, um, so the, the the show, the, the this exhibit, it, 
it houses 24 women. Um, and then I have six other images of black women just in different stages of their life, um, like an executive, you know, like a mother, single mother, um, like a person just celebrating life. And then, uh, then a woman, uh, one of my images is, a is like several different women in one image to represent the different stages and, uh, uh, hairstyles of that, that black women uh, choose to wear. I, you know, I absolutely think that's beautiful. Now, when I come through there, so I'm walking through, I'm looking at the, the, uh, the various works that you've completed. Is uh-huh. there any information regarding the lives or history or why you selected them for um, the, so people yeah, can learn? Yeah, so, so, when, so when we, uh, me and my wife, she's my business partner, Veronica Berry, Amen. we decided to do this collection uh, about uh, the beginning of, actually the beginning of 2019, uh, during the, I think we were here in Las Vegas when we had a, a business strategy meeting, and we came up with this idea, and then we started thinking about the women that we want to celebrate. And so, you know, as I as well as I do, you know, once you get into the women that have been substantial in our in our journey, there's so many. So we just I just kind of picked um, some that came to mind right away. Some of the ones that I did their story a little bit better. And then we also did a Facebook um, challenge, and then we um, got a list of about 200 women. So you know, of course, I couldn't do 200 um, at this particular time, but we decided to start with uh, 15, and that grew to 24 um it's an open collection so i would like to get to 50 before i move on to another collection um like i'm at 24 i think right now uh, yeah 24 um so um now you're doing prints amen i know you're not gonna give away the originals (laughs) no no the originals are for sale um but because this is gonna be and this is one thing i didn't realize the amount of uh enthusiasm right and excitement that this collection would have but a lot of people are connecting with it and we've already been approached by several other museums that want to uh, exhibit the mm-hmm. museum i mean exhibit the uh, collection so this will be a traveling museum excellent and just my simple calculations if i do 50 images that should be enough to present in two different museums at the same time so that's that's yeah. my goal well you know uh doing the congressional black caucus uh in September last month uh, at the National Congress of Black Women's annual brunch I attended, and they recognized uh, uh, Aaliyah Bundles, who is uh, the great-granddaughter of Madam C.J. Walker. Yes. And they also had a the distant relatives of Harriet Tubman uh, at, the, at the event as well. I have pictures of them on my Facebook page, so if you want to check that out, that's on there. I will. So, like I said, again, I couldn't. I couldn't get all the women in this first uh, round, but definitely the second 25 that I that I uh, do will include, um, you know, Madam C.J. Walker, because she was in the first round. Mm-hmm. Um, and Ida B. Wells is another one we're going to present in the next round. You know, Eddie so, goes, every year Eddie goes to the National Association of, of uh, Black Women's uh, National, National Congress Na- of Black Women. Uh, yeah. National Congress of Black Women's Convention. It'd be good maybe if you hooked up with Eddie to see if you can have your your work's displayed there. Oh, we can talk about it. We can talk about it. Because I know Veronica has been, has been there for the last three years, so she also goes. We have some friends that attend as well. So that'll be that'll be a good connect. So yeah. We'll, we'll, well I'll hook you up with that. Dr. Ife Williams, the uh, CEO okay. and chairman. Chair okay. of the, oh, of the cool, Yeah, cool. So I, we definitely got that going on. So yeah. now, uh, when is uh, the great-granddaughter, is it the granddaughter or great-granddaughter of Ida B. Wells, when will she be in town? She's supposed to be here tomorrow. We, we're supposed to have dinner tomorrow evening, so... 
Okay. Yeah, and I haven't. I mean, that's the last I've heard. So I'm planning to have dinner with her tomorrow at at Marjorie's, you know, African American owned restaurant in Seattle. So I'm glad we still we glad we still have one or two. I didn't know we did. Okay, good. Yeah, we have simply so full. Yes, yeah, so that's know, down I, in Madison Valley. I'm still joking. And Marjorie's, and that's the oh, and then the cat up there on 65th, uh, June Baby. That's a black owned restaurant. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, I, yeah, yeah. I've been so up there. So we have at least four um, that I know of. Yeah, he was that's chef of the year, wasn't he? Yep. Yeah. He, yeah. He, said he, was, he was one of the um, best restaurants in the nation. So um, we've been there once. We want to go back again um, in the near in the near future. Uh, but yeah, we try to celebrate all black uh, owned restaurants. Yeah, well, I know the uh, Michelle Merriweather and uh, the Urban League of Metropolitan Seattle they hosted an event out there, and it was just fantastic. Oh, cool! The gentleman was Chef of the Year. He did get uh, the award last year uh, from the Urban League of Metropolitan Seattle as well, too. Oh, so he good. was worthy to be praised. So, give us an yeah. idea about us any of the exhibits you've done in the past, and what do you think was uh, your biggest? Well. This, of course, this is the. I would say this is the biggest or the most substantial to be featured at a, a museum. With you know the African American, the Northwest African American Museum is rated, I think, one of the five top um, best museums to visit in the Pacific Northwest. So this is a big event. Um, but I've done, you know, I've definitely been featured at some other places like Norse's, which is a little bit non-traditional as far as art goes. But that's a big entity and you know they have a large reach um uh you know when the urban league used to do their annual art exhibit i used to pre- present in there festival sandiata i did that i mean festival sandiata was the first professional art show that i exhibited in that was um way back in 89 i believe was the oh, first cool. one and i continued to be a part of festival sandiata up until 2017 was the last year i curated that I know Roberto Jordan wants you to come back. <laughs> yeah, yeah the good brother, him and Vincent, good brothers. Yeah, and, uh, you know, but I was there. I curated the show and did a lot of work with the festival for seven years, and it was time for me to move on. Oh, I, I hear you. I hear you. Uh, still, but, still support them, and you know, wish the best for them. Um, I, I believe that festival Sundiata could be, you know, like the National Art Black Festival if if, if we put the resources into it. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it has a lot of potential, and I hope they grow. Well, I know one thing. Hayward Evans is a real good grant writer, and he knows Uh-oh. that the guy yeah. is over the <laughs> Office of Arts and Culture for the city of Seattle. Okay. Uh, Randy, why come I can't remember his last name? I'm going to look it up right now. But make, I want to make sure you... you uh, Ingham. Yeah, I want to make sure, Hiawatha, that you don't miss any available resources to okay. continue your good work. That'd so if great. you need a lobbyist down there for... The Seattle Arts and Culture Office. I'm re- I'm standing by to help you, you and I'm okay. sure that all the other folks from the museum and other artists will also be in lockstep behind you. So right. uh, if you get to, uh, get to a position where you need some assistance, you can always right. call on us. You, okay. Your former well, homie from the Point, the Hayward, homie. and then your dad, my dad, are members of the Brotherhood of Sleeping Car Porters, the only union that a brother could belong to back in them days. There you go. <laughs> So, yeah, so, so we, no, I'll definitely reach out because, uh, you know, as you know, uh, we artists need resources. So um, I'll definitely reach out and uh, be glad and happy to work with you. And, I, uh, yeah, so anyway, I'm, I'm going to look up and forward my man some information on you even before okay. you t- meet him or talk to him to let him know you have community support. Because a lot of times when they get something from someone who's a supporter and not mm-hmm. the recipient or the artist or the contractor, they look mm-hmm. at it a little, a little bit differently, you know. 
And besides, they don't know if Hayward and I are going to raise hell or what. You know and, what I'm saying? And, and we <laughs> might. But there are, there are funds available, and you can get commissioned work. So we should okay. we should be talking later. Okay. Well, let's let's definitely talk because uh, I think that's all good, and and I do need commission work. So. <laughs> okay. Well, we definitely will be working on it, and then uh, I, all I can say is you know continue the good work and whatever we can do you know to help you along the way, we're more than happy to do that, man. Uh, I appreciate it. Okay. Uh, thank you very much, Hiawatha. Oh, you're welcome. You're welcome. Just make sure that you uh, tell your people to get down to the museum and take a look at the exhibit. Uh, it, it is it is very nice. The curator Hassan Kirkman uh, put you know put it together or helped us put it together and he did a fabulous job as well. So. What are the hours and the dates of the of, of the uh, uh, the the museum? You know, regular museum or standard museum hours are Tuesday to Saturday, eleven to six. Um, we like I said before, we're going to have some uh, lecture um, events in the museum. I definitely want to. I've been reach a uh, uh, few. Uh, High schools have already reached out to me about um, visiting the the museum and me speaking to their students. So we're going to schedule a few of those events. Uh, again, the the museum will host the event or the exhibit from October 18th all the way till uh, March uh, 15, 2020. Okay, we'll uh, have you back also, on s- several times when you have special things coming oh, up during the exhibit. So we'll have you back. Great. So thank that's you much, great. sir. We appreciate all your work and. Uh, exhibiting your talents at the Northwest African American Museum. Oh, thank you. And eating at a black-owned restaurant. Yeah, right on. Eating at a black-owned restaurant. <laughs> One of the two or three. Okay, thank you very much. Oh, you're welcome. Okay, so we're going to take a break and come back with Jamie Elmore after this. Step up your commute and ride light. Sound Transit's new Capitol Hill and University of Washington Link Light Rail stations are now open. Get around town faster and more reliably than ever. Ride now from the University of Washington to Capitol Hill in just four minutes or continue on to Westlake Station in just eight minutes. Find lots of helpful information on how to ride, how to get an ORCA card, and more at ulink2016.org. Link Light Rail. More stations, more places. Easy on the ears, good for the soul. Alternative Talk 1150. All right, Hayward Evans and Eddie Ryback at Urban Forum Northwest with our last guest for the hour on a Thursday, and that would be Miss Jamie Elmore, founder of the Alopecia Support Group, doing all kind of good things. Like Hayward says, she needs to be on the cover of the magazine. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> so, uh, Jamie, you got a, another event coming up on Saturday. Why don't you share with our listeners what's going to be going on? I do. Thank you so much, um, Mr. Rye and Hayward, for, for just always supporting us and giving us an opportunity to share on your on your show. But, yes, this Saturday, October 26th, from 2 p.m. to 4 p.m., we will have our last event for the entire year. This will be our support group meeting. It is a non-traditional meeting where people with alopecia, they come and they talk, they share their stories. They are provided tools, and they get support, and it is a free event, and your listeners can go to our website at alopeciasupportgroup.org, and they can register, and we will have, have a, an awesome time and a time to reflect and just to, um, just to connect, definitely. And so uh, I've noticed and uh, I'm aware of some of the work you've done in the past with people from all across the country with alopecia, but why don't you go ahead and Explain once again to our listening audience, to yes. people that might not know, about alopecia, how can you detect who has it, and how what the support group does to help people uh, do, cope with it. Okay, awesome. A good question, yes. 
Alopecia is an autoimmune disease. It's where your immune system attacks your hair follicle and causes your hair to fall out. There are 6.8 million people in the U.S., 147 million people worldwide. And myself, I'm a hairstylist, been in the industry for 28 years, and I did not know what alopecia looked like or what it was until it happened to me. I found my first bald spot in the nape of my neck, and most people that um, experience um, alopecia, that's what they, they find. They find a, a small circular bald spot or their hair just starts shedding. And so what, with our support group, we wanted to provide a platform for people to heal and to connect. And so we, we do all types of events. We do workshops. We show people how to accessorize because a lot of people, they lose their eyebrows. They lose um, total body hair over their entire body, their nose hairs, their eyelashes. Um, it's, a, it's a rocky, I like to call it a, a roller coaster um, disease. It's not contagious or anything like that. But what it does, it does affect your uh, self-esteem. And psychologically, it can definitely put you in a position of despair and loneliness, um, feeling um, all alone. And so... We do hair loss retreats. Um, we just released our first, our very first documentary on September 25th titled Harmony Alopecia Stories. And so we're excited about spreading more um, awareness on a global level as well. And we have support group members really all over the world, from Iran to Pakistan to the Philippines to New York to California, um, Seattle, Washington, pretty much all over the world. And so we, we're just excited to, to help people and help them realize that they are not alone when it comes to this disease. Uh, Jamie, for the listening audience, how do we access it? Can, can we still pull up the documentary and, and view it? How will we go about seeing the documentary? Actually, that's a good question. We actually have not um, released the documentary to the public. What we're in the process of doing is submitting our documentary to local um, film festivals, actually. And so once we um, figure out which film festivals and do all the paperwork and get those submitted, then we will have a, a second option for people, and we actually have an opportunity to showcase our documentary on Amazon TV, Hulu, Roku, and some other um, national um, platforms, actually global platforms. So unfortunately, we do not, uh, we can't release it right now to the public. I'm sorry about that. <laughs> Oh, darn it. You know, I'm thinking Oprah, uh, Ellen DeGeneres, The View, The Talk. One of them shows, you're supposed to be on TV, national TV. But what, you, what you've done is excellent. But, but I'm going to digress because I saw that magazine. You were on the front page. You looked absolutely beautiful. The accessories that you put together, can people access uh, on the Internet? How can they contact you just to view those accessories? Because it, it was beautiful what you put together. Um, actually, what I'm in the process of doing, I'm glad you brought that up. Um, I'm in the process of putting together my own YouTube channel where I'll be able to show people exactly how mm -hmm. to accessorize. But they can contact me individual for some individual workshops where I can show them how to do just that. And they can go to my website at alopeciasupportgroup.org. And that's all one word. And um, we're just excited about just being able to show people, like you said, how to um, accessorize. And most people, you know, when you think about losing your hair and something that is so traumatic, you don't know what to do and you don't know how to navigate. And so that's one of my goals to show people how to navigate when it comes to this um, unpredictable disease. You know, but for me, what you've done transcends just alopecia. The, the work was beautiful. I think it works for everybody. That's just my personal, personal <laughs> opinion. 
But now, now that event coming up, now should people, should they, is it a place that they're going to be able to eat from two to four, or how does that work, the, the setting? Can you go over the structure of the event on Saturday? Yes, I can. Actually, it, it is a free event to the um, public, and it's going to be at Luther's Table. Luther's Table is located in Renton, Washington, and it's a, a restaurant. It's owned by a, a Lutheran church, and it's open to the public, and so people can come in. From 2 to 4, we will have a pop-up shop, meaning that if they want to purchase one of our uh, T-shirts or order one of our um, jackets, they'll be able to do that as well. And they'll be able to order food and just kind of sit around and we'll talk. It definitely will be structured. And the way that I set it up is if we have new members there, we kind of let them introduce themselves and we find out what what questions or what concerns that they have concerning their journey. You know, um, a lot of people... They just don't know what to do. They don't mm. know um, that they should go to the doctors. They don't know that because we recommend that you get a, a therapist, you know, go, go get counseling and things like that. So we're very structured and kind of um, we have some fun as well. And we just show people how to love themselves through the journey. Yeah, that's going to be at Luther's Table, which is right across the street from Renton High School. I think that's uh, 2nd Avenue. Yes, yes, 2nd Avenue. Okay. Definitely. Well, Jamie Elmore, thank you very much. Keep up the good work and making people uh I still can't get to that young lady that uh, Faye and uh, Easy, uh, uh, Lewis Rudd flew in uh, that you were able to help because she was going through some very traumatic experiences mm. and uh, they were able to fly up her mother and the young lady and she did receive some help. So, Jamie, thank you very much. Thank you, Jamie. And thank you so much for always having us. Thank you. Have a good day. All right. Uh, before we go, I want to say that the Port of Seattle's Office of Equity and Inclusion with Bukta. And uh, that's where Luis Navarro and Charlene are now. They're under that office. Sound Transit Small Business Development and Labor Compliance Office. With Leslie Jones, got to get her in here soon to get an update on Sound Transit going south and east. And east yeah. The City of Seattle Purchase and Construction Services Office with Liz Alzier. A Concord Concession with Dave Fukuhara. SeaTac Bar Group. And we got Veterans Day coming up in a couple of weeks. Two Desert Storm First Lieutenants, Jerry Whitsett and Ron O'Neill. Solstice Media is uh, Stephanie Ogle does our technology. And every Thursday night at Rumba Notes Lounge, Latanya and Michelle will welcome you in to hear some of the best live music, spoken word. I don't know who the DJ is for this week, but uh, get on down to Columbia City to Rumba Notes Lounge and you will enjoy yourself. There's also a Kenyan restaurant right next door and they deliver food right into Rumba Notes. So you can also enjoy a meal while you hear this outstanding entertainment. So Hayward Evans, and I will see you again next week. Eric, thank you always for the work on the boards.